Blue Gold Sports is rich in tradition and excellence. It's about the athletes, the coaches, the games, and the history. And it all rolls into one place. It's the Rolling with the Golds podcast. Your official UWO Claire Blue Golds podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to this new episode of the Rolling with the Golds podcast. Dan, Nick's over there. I got to turn your, you're on, let's try that again. Got to turn the right mic on. I always do that, don't worry. You're on three. I had to, had you up on two. So say it again. Hello. There you go. With less enthusiasm. Yeah. It's like. Uh, How getting, many times do you mute my mic? None. It's. I still do this to this day for people. Well, I don't listen, I don't listen to the episodes, so. <clears throat> you want to admit that? hundred percent. I'm I'm here in person. I know you. I'm just giving. You I, hate, I I I hate much, listening to myself. I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. I hate my voice. But maybe maybe I need to start. Maybe you are just muting me. People have told me I've got a good voice. I don't. I feel like I don't. If I hear a commercial, I tune it down because I can't hear my voice. Well, we must be doing something right because they haven't kicked us off. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> or we owe people. A lot of- <laughs> no, let's okay. not go down that road. Yeah. Uh, dude, I'm a, I'm pumped for this episode because uh, we this was a, a guest we got coming up in the second half. How we usually do it, we got a guest in the second half. This is your first time listening. Uh, we kind of do a, a recap and a preview of some events coming up, and then we have a guest or guests plural in the in the second half of this episode. And uh, uh, this was this was one I think we had on the wish list early on, and and we got him. When you originally told me about this guest, I didn't know if you were like joking mm-hmm. or if you were like serious because it i don't want to say it took a lot but it like we scheduled this out pretty far in advance he's a busy guy he's got a lot on his table he's got a lot on yeah. his table so yeah great great conversation uh with chancellor jim mm-hmm. um kind of his background within the athletics mm-hmm. scene throughout the ncaa here at uw eau claire um mm-hmm. but then also you know gives his little elevator pitch yep. about uwec and all that good stuff. Exactly. So if anybody doesn't know Chancellor Jim, I mean, he's at how many games? Like, if there's something going on Blue Gold event-wise, he's there. He's a big sports fan. I mean, we might I as mean, well start with men's hockey. Exactly. He was there till 1 a.m. <laughs> down at the rink. Yeah. I, I saw that on Twitter. All Saturday, yeah. all, he was down there all Saturday. He was there for the women's game, too. It's just mm-hmm. he is he is a true Blue Gold super fan. Mm-hmm. And it, it truly is. He he loves to celebrate the success of our student athletes mm-hmm. and our students. Yeah. So he's he's one of a kind. I remember seeing. I think uh, it was on the when I was watching uh, the video feed. Volleyball national champs too. Uh, he was down there. He was down in St. Louis with us. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, he's all over the board. With he's that. he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think he wishes he had more time to go to more. Right. right. But he's like, got. A, as you will find out, he's got a lot. Uh, not outside of just chancellor stuff, but really involved in the athletics. Portion two was with college. Well, I think right after so. our, our recording, I'm pretty sure he left the state. Did he to really go somewhere? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I don't know if I could do that. Jason job. told me. Yeah, Jason said that he was traveling all like all day yesterday. So, oh my gosh. Well, so, we thank him yes. again for taking some time with us and and talking with us, and that's going to be fun. So make sure you're listening throughout the whole thing because you mentioned hockey. What a what a night! And you prelude or you talked about it the, the week before about that mini game. And this, I, I got to imagine, this is why you don't like the mini games. So I have some time. I've had some time to reflect. Okay, hand up, blue gold hockey fans. I will take full blame. <laughs> I probably said the word mini game with such distaste last week. 
hundred yeah. times. Mm-hmm. That that might even be selling it short. I because because I just it, it's a it, it gets to that point where again things like this can happen and mm-hmm. from selfishly from a stat side it's not it's not fun because there is a a very quick turnaround to go down to the locker rooms and mm-hmm. and grab extra lineups and we only have 15 minutes to put everything in and it was just a whole thing and thankfully neither team really made that many changes which was shocking to us but it just again I didn't the thing I said all week was I don't think a 20 minute period should be the defining factor of a playoff series. Mm-hmm. Well, we got two and three quarters of <laughs> of hockey, so yeah. I guess the hockey gods kind of shoved that one in my face. Yeah, they sure did, man. Holy cow! What a I mean, what a great atmosphere. Um, you know, Friday, Friday played well, and it was one of those things where the final buzzer hits Friday, and Blue Worlds lose two one. And everybody's kind of just sitting there starstruck because I can't remember the last time we lost a stout at home. And everybody was like, oh, like we might not even we might not even make it to the finals. Like everybody was talking. People people around town were kind of, I don't want to say bypassing stout, but they weren't giving enough credit. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I will say they've done a tremendous job over there in Menominee. That mm-hmm. team is, that team will be, be back. That goaltender is, he's pretty good. Yeah. So Friday, sour taste in everybody's mouth. Come back Saturday, huge bounce back for the team. I mean, put, going up three one early mm-hmm. and to close it out. It was that was the interesting part because it got to five two with like eight nine minutes left, and so they knew that they had tied the series and they knew they were going to mini game and it was going to be interesting to see how both teams would play it. Oh, uh, you're right. Yeah. So Stout ends up getting a power play. They ended up pulling their goalie with like. Seven minutes left in the game. They're down three goals, pulling their goalie, which they got nothing to lose. Right. Right. Even if they lose the game, they still know there's more hockey. Mm-hmm. Why not, you know, add an extra skater out there? We weren't able to get it to hit the empty net, mm-hmm. killed, killed off the penalty, but like we played very, very like. There's like short shifts, mm-hmm. but then there's almost like shorter shifts. Like I don't think guys were out there more than like 20 seconds because everybody was just trying to conserve their energy. I suppose, yeah. So, so yeah, hit the first <laughs> hit the first regular period. Uh, Blue Wolves came out flying, scored the first goal. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, I mean, we dominated dominated that period, and it, it looked like that we were just going to skate up to a one nothing win. And mm-hmm. again, Craig Stout came back, never 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 gave up, ended up finding the equalizer with like four minutes left in that mini game period, and that was that was that right. And now it uh, sets up for championship weekend yeah. coming up here. Thank, thank, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> That's I the still thing don't know. Like I still don't know if I've recovered from that day because we were talking in the office on Monday. Um, a lot of staff were like, "I don't know what y'all did on Sunday, but I sat on my couch. I didn't leave it. Yeah, I, I napped like three times. I mean, for for something like that to to go all the way through that, and I don't know how Stout's feeling, but I mean, they just like that the amount of effort and the time and how late it went. Then to call come out on the losing end, it's just like a little bit more of like it's got to hurt a little, just a well, little bit more. Well, and I will, I will, I I will shout out not only just like because like Stout brought their entire admin team, mm. their base, the entire baseball team showed up. Oh wow! Like they came out and they come out, came on good risk. But I will shout out everybody in that rink. You'd think after like the the, tr- the second game was over, people would leave. That place stayed full. Hmm. There was probably eight hundred, nine hundred people that stuck around and watched hockey until. Twelve thirty in the morning. 
Wow. And it was awesome. Shout out to all of you. That's that is amazing over there. Can you imagine being a player in that situation though? So it's funny. I went on the locker room after the game, uh, just to kind of get. I don't know. I usually do, but some of the guys were like walking. I'm like, how are you like not just dead tired? Mm-hmm. And they're like, it's all adrenaline. It it really is. Mm-hmm. And like, I can't say I can attest to that, but but you like you were mentioning, you can't fall asleep or go oh, to bed my right anxiety was that. through the roof. Yeah. I don't think I fell asleep till like three thirty because I was just at home, just like staring at the ceiling because my blood was still pumping mm-hmm. so much. Yeah. Which, shout out to the Blue Gold athletes that decided to send me breathing techniques during the game because they saw me in the press box either pacing or <laughs> That's rip, awesome. ripping my hair out during the overtime periods. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, hey, they respect you, man. You got that connection. Take that as a positive, right? Take that as a positive. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, so that's okay. So we got both Blue Golds in, in championship for for hockey though this weekend too. So yeah, I mean the women's team they. They got they got it done. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's equally as an important win for them because I think both teams, when you're looking at NCAA's, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I think both teams needed to win out through the tournament to to make it. Obviously, mm-hmm. on the men's side, they get the auto bid if they win the tournament. Right. The women's side, they don't. But pairwise, pairwise wise, they need to. They need that little extra jump because right now I believe they're sitting like tenth or eleventh. Okay, and there's just some teams out east that's that. I mean, they could still fall, but they're also playing like higher ranked teams, so they might not fall quite as much. Mm-hmm. It's difficult when you go into a weekend series, you sweep a team, come out with two wins, and then you drop your ranking because the team you just played was eight and sixteen, mm-hmm. and that drops your SOS, your strength of schedule. Right and stuff like that. So it's one I, of those that you can't do anything about it. You just got to do what you got to play. Who you're scheduled against? Right. You know. Now again, they come out Saturday. They go over to River Falls, two p.m. puck drop. They take. They give River Falls their first loss of the season. That's going to skyrocket them up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could jump all the way up to sixth or seventh and lock up one of those at large bids. So now, for a refresher for anybody who doesn't know. Is there the possibility of a mini game again, or is this just no. a one and done? So it's one and done. <laughs> okay. Just a refresher. So for the re- well, and the reason for the mini game, I don't know if I said this in last week's podcast. I feel like I was a broken record last week describing <laughs> this to everybody. The reason why there's a mini game is because teams out east they get an extra round. It's mm-hmm. first round, quarterfinals, semis, championship, four possible games. Okay. Because we don't have as many teams here in the WIAC, way back when the coaches wanted that extra game, so the conference office said, okay, first round, first round will be a game, a two game series. Semifinals will be a two-game series. The finals will be one. That way you give the teams that have a bye three games, mm-hmm. and then if if they make it all the way, and any other teams could get anywhere up to four to five. So it's just more hockey. Right. It helps. It helps with Again, it helps with the pairwise rankings. Mm-hmm. I believe the men did jump in the pairwise rankings, not enough to, to be like in the top 10, okay. top 15, or anything like that, but it's... It's it's all about just playing as much hockey as you can. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of for for both teams too this weekend. I don't know if this is a little too dramatic, but maybe exercising some demons because you got the men's team taking on Stevens Point, who Stevens Point swept uh, the the regular season, right? And then the women's team going up against their rival River Falls, as you mentioned, haven't lost yet. But hey, you can't ask for better matchups. I don't think in the championship between these 
I don't remember the exact date last year that the championships were on, but we were in this same, like almost the same exact scenario. Really? Yeah. It was the first year that the men had an auto bid. Mm-hmm. Men went up to Stevens Point. I'm sorry, but they did not play well. Got shellacked. I think it was like 5-1 or something. I don't know. I've kind of erased that game from my memory. Mm-hmm. And the women needed to win to get in, and unfortunately they didn't. So I think talking with the coaches, and if history has anything to to, to to say, which the chances are actually to mention this, mm-hmm. it's the Blue Wolves year. It, it truly is for both sides. So I'm very confident, um, especially with the men playing up at KB Willett. Mm-hmm. Um, that place is going to be, I mean, I hope people, we, so we sent out something on Twitter about tickets opening up yep. on sale yep. this morning. I hope people got their tickets. That place is going to be, mm-hmm. like, I might not even be able to use the restroom. <laughs> that place is going to be is that shoulder where you're going to, to shoulder. Going? You're going to go to the men's one? Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. a, it's just, I could make it from river to point mm-hmm. and be there by like seven. But like the way I think about it is that I'm probably not going to want to leave exactly at four o'clock from river, right. especially if we win, mm-hmm. right? Celebration and stuff like that. So right. we're dispersing our resources, um, send, send a couple people out to river falls. Um, I believe Jason's going to river. Okay. Um, I'll be the admin on site over at Stevens point And there you go. It's going to be a good, a great weekend. I hope they. I, I, I hope, hope they put me to work with graphics. Let me just say that. Yeah. Yep. Kind of like, like swimming and wrestling man. did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's I, so. I, we, yeah. We, where do you want to go to next with 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 uh, wrestling, swimming? I mean, wrestling. This is this is a big weekend too, man. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Okay. Because we need to do our justice. Okay. And circle back on a certain team who okay. just continues to keep getting better. Okay. And is making some noise out there. Uh, shout out gymnastics. Oh, yeah. Good point. Set. Did I see team records? Like team score records? So two weeks ago when they hosted Oshkosh, mm-hmm. which Oshkosh one of the best teams in the nation, right. back-to-back defending national champs, we set our set the all-time team score record okay. at home. Unfortunately, we, we took the loss, mm-hmm. but in gymnastics, wins and losses don't really... It's the, it's the points. It's it's the points. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to last Sunday, they go down to DeKalb, Illinois, face off against three Division One teams: Alaska, Illinois State, Northern Illinois, and they break the record that they that they had set eight days prior. Wow. Not only that, they recorded their highest combined team score on the vault, on the beam, and the floor. We had Harriet Toth. Hit or record the highest all-around score in program history. We had Andrea O'Connell, I believe, Drea, sorry, um, record 9.9 on the floor, which has never been done hmm. in program history. Yeah. They just, it, it, it was it was crazy. It, it was. Mm-hmm. Just, just following along and, and watching. It was on ESPN Plus, very, very good broadcast down there from NIU. It was it was a special weekend, and that gives them some nice momentum here into the rest of the week. They host their last regular season duel on Friday against Hamlin, mm-hmm. hoping just to put some more scores. But like that weekend, I think set up a lot of those athletes for good success, especially with regionals around the corner, mm-hmm. and then possibly hitting those marks, hitting those times to make it to nationals. Right? Yeah, because it 
the regional Wyatt Championships next week, correct? The ninth, correct? Okay. Over there, so, so it's a, again very, very, very unique situation. Um, just not enough teams out here. Actually, not enough teams in Division Three for gymnastics. So, mm-hmm. the Wyatt Championship also serves as the West Regional. Okay. So, top three teams, top three team scores automatically make it to nationals, and then from there, it's certain marks that you hit to make it to make it as individuals. Gotcha. So, okay. Uh, before we get to should we because it was indoor championships last week for the Wyatt too. So, both men's and women's finished third for overall? track for track. Yes, yes for for track there. Uh, I know individuals, you got some champions and such, but overall, team-wise, third. And we know how Coach Schneider and, and he the wants the big one. Uses, yep. He wants the big one. And you look at that. I mean, shout out to. Uh, I mean, it's all about shout outs today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to Jacob uh, Ekwe, uh defended his shot title, mm-hmm. uh, took second in the the weight throw. Uh, Max Folland had a wonderful, wonderful weekend on the heptathlon. Um, our buddy Mitch. Did mm-hmm. not compete, but he's I think just getting that just fine tuned some stuff for right. I don't know if he's competing this week down at Warburg or Lacrosse, um, but he, I'm sure he's just fine tuning himself for mm-hmm. for nationals. Um, Is he well, one of those that you don't really have to worry too much about? Or maybe kind of have to hold himself back, like like coach has to hold him hold him back because Mitch wants to be out there all the time. I'm sure it is, 100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. percent It's one of those things that I, again I found on I found out very early was like. You look at you look at who's competing. You're like, we have our best heptathlete, and he's not competing in the Wyatt Championships. What is going on? Is he hurt? Does he? Oh no, he's just taking a break. <laughs> <laughs> he's going after the big one. <laughs> um, so, Cook and I, some great finishes: uh, Sam Verkirky in the 800, Michaela Hattie, Anna Shueth, um in their 800, put up some some great times. Um, I actually had a chance to talk with uh, Coach Schwamberger yesterday. Um, he's very confident with mm-hmm. the distance runners. Um, he will send some to lacrosse and some to Warburg just to try to try to get a little bit a little bit faster times. Um, just because there there are some athletes that are like right on that bubble of are they going to make it nationals or are they not? So okay, I think overall fourteen was the number that was thrown around yesterday. Okay, uh, combined between the two teams to head out to uh, Virginia Beach for nationals. Mm-hmm. Okay, so nice. Yeah, we'll, right. we'll see how that goes and absolutely. Uh, softball also begins this weekend too, right? And women's lacrosse. And women's lacrosse. That's right, because it is. I, it's the timing. It's first of March already coming up here. So. Despite the snow on the ground, uh, right? <laughs> hey, it'll be like seventy here in a couple of days though, too. So it it's so funny. It'll be different. So we had. We had I'm, I'm taking this from a, from a coworker of mine, but we had like all four seasons yesterday. Because at one point it was sixty degrees, mm-hmm. and then it dropped down to forty within two hours, mm-hmm. and then it snowed. And we had ice in single digits. Yeah. So that's well, Wisconsin. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, okay, both those get going uh, this weekend. Also, we've got, is it, uh, listen to the previous podcast if you want a big time explanation, but like the NCAA diving zones for swimming uh, a little bit there. Or? It's like regionals. It's like regionals. So it's just divers. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sending two, okay. uh, Blake Wallen and Ben Kohler. Okay. Or is it, no, Kohler is the diver. Ben Keller is the swimmer. Um so Ben and Blake uh, will go down with assistant coach Sarah Bates um, down at Denison University. Okay. Um, basically, they have to head, they have to finish top eight this weekend to make it to nationals for diving. Okay. So that's gotcha. the mark they're looking for. Um, I believe we're recording this Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I believe 
information on Nationals should come out today. Okay. I think that's what Coach Ryder had said. Okay. So by the time you're listening to this, we probably should probably already have a list and stuff like that of who else Perfect. would go out there. Okay. My money, again, just going off of what Coach Ryder said, one of the relay teams should be able to make it um, and, and get one of those cuts, um, as well as one or two um, women. Mm-hmm. Um, swimmers, I believe, Ella Weaver, Sydney McGuire, who we had on the podcast. Yep. Um, so, looking looking forward to those again. Mm-hmm. You'll, everybody will already know who's who's going down there. Right. When this drops. So. So if you're listening to this and you don't know yet, it's online. Bluegills.com. Dot com. And download the app too. Right. Yes. Download the app. Please download the app. Uh, all right. Before we get to Chancellor Jim, though, we got to give. Uh, I mean, hey, Stevens Point's gonna be a busy weekend uh, with. Uh, Blue Gold's over there for hockey, but also wrestling, too. Wrestling regionals over there. So uh, I'm excited to see where this team and some of these wrestlers match up in place. And this is as cool as it was to be crown champions, first time Wyack history. Mm-hmm. I think this is the big one for them. Mm-hmm. They can only enter one guy in at, at every weight class. It truly is a best of the best in the region mm-hmm. who can make it you know, the furthest, who can... You know, survival the fittest. Right. So, I remember when, when we hosted, it was pretty jam packed in McPhee. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a good time. It was a long day, <laughs> but it was it it is going to be a fun fun time for them mm-hmm. up there at Stevens Point, and it'll be cool to see how many how many can you know carry their own weight and and mm-hmm. make it all the way. Right. That one again is is one of those where it's not a. It's not like gymnastics where it's like top three, make it to nationals. It's all based on individual. Okay. So it's kind of like track. Okay. So like the reason Augsburg wins wins the, the national championship is because they just have so many guys do so well at regionals and they have so many placements. Gotcha. Okay. When it, when it comes to nationals. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you can get, you know, four or five guys to do well at regionals, make it to nationals and score some points, you mm-hmm. give yourself a, a decent shot at it. Yeah. Yep, so it's different than high school wrestling in Wisconsin where we had the individuals this past week at state, and now it's team state Correct. over there. So just in case anybody's wondering if it's the same. So Correct. different. Just like track and field, like you said. So. Yep. All right. And actually, Co- or, uh, Chancellor actually talks about uh, the wrestling program a little bit too mm-hmm. in, in our in our convo. And Nick also gets him to reveal maybe some of his hidden plans, secret plans for the future, right? Did I? Yeah. Remember, Sonic takes our events. I don't think I did. I think I was still just surprised that you almost talked yourself into a job. Yeah. Why? Why'd you say almost now? It's not for sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, should we get to it though? Let's. let's uh, All right. <laughs> We're gonna take a quick break. Uh, a word from our sponsors, and then again, big thanks to Chancellor Jim. Uh, he's our guest, uh, taking some time out of his very busy schedule to hop on the podcast and. And uh, talk all things Blue Gold Athletics, but also university and just why I can and college athletics overall too, because he's got he's got a hand in everything. It feels like that he does. You know? So awesome conversation that's coming up after these quick words. 
burgers stacked with mushrooms on Wisconsin Swiss cheese, or piled high with smoked brisket, crispy bacon, Wisconsin Gouda, lettuce, tomato, sweet barbecue sauce, and a fried pickle, or simply topped with cheese and fried onions, Monk's Bar and Grill offers classic and gourmet burgers for lunch, dinner, and game day. Whatever you are craving, Monk's has you covered with seven locations statewide. Monk's Bar and Grill is ready for your next game day visit and is a proud partner of Wisconsin Athletics. Better ingredients, better pizza, better brace yourself because Papa John's has done it again. Introducing Papa Bowls. No crust, just a whole bunch of those Papa John's toppings you love. Baked to piping hot perfection. I'm talking crisp veggies, savory meats all covered in melty cheese and those signature sauces. Try flavors like Italian Meats Trio, Chicken Alfredo, and Garden Veggie. Or get creative and build your own. Better ingredients, better pizza, now in a bowl. Papa John's. The season is upon us for Wisconsin's favorite sport. Join Monk's Bar and Grill for football game days while tackling their mouth-watering burgers, golden Wisconsin white cheddar cheese curds, and loaded Bloody Marys. Monk's Bar and Grill. In Madison, Wisconsin, Dells, Eau Claire, and now Plover. All right, we are back with this episode of the Rollin' with the Golds podcast. It's a special episode of the podcast. Well, the second half. It's we're, always every episode special. We're not in the when studio. Nick and I at the helm. Very yeah, true, very true. Yeah, very true. We are on the road. We're uh, we're at your home turf, actually. My home turf? It's yeah. your home turf, too. Yeah. Shout out, Class 09. <laughs> uh, but why don't you, as, as tradition, as always, why don't you introduce our guest here? Well, this man needs no introduction. Uh, whether it's staying at Hobbs till 1 a.m. this past weekend with hockey, uh, singing the alma mater with a football team band down at Carson Park, or... Being ringside for the Chancellor's Cup against Oshkosh for wrestling, the one and the only Chancellor Jim. Hey, hey, it's good to be here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Absolutely. This was, I think, an interview we've been kind of talking about for a while now, right? Like, kind of our wish list. It I think was you like brought it up one. to me like week two of like, okay, when can we get the Chancellor on? I was like, all right, let's let's wait and see how this goes. Yep. And, <laughs> and yeah, it was just one of those things where we brought it brought the idea to jason and he was all for it and then we got in contact with you and you were excited to come on so yeah we're excited to have you absolutely we've got a beautiful spring day and so we're getting all of our wishes this year now my wishes deal with some hockey wins this weekend though exactly so we uh you know you're a big sports fan i am uh so what i gotta ask right away do you have a favorite you want to go on record with a favorite one that you like to watch the most or within uw claire well yeah. you know i love all 25 yeah. of because you're a big baseball fan, aren't am, you? Yeah. yeah my youngest son was a big baseball player you mm-hmm. know so a little point of pride bringing back baseball to the campus after almost a 25 year exit um you know what it's the, the sports are fun but it, what's most uh, rewarding about that is being around the student athletes they're mm-hmm. they're good young people bringing out really the best uh uh, skills that they have every day. Um, they're leaders, uh, both in the athletic competition and on campus, and they're really nice people. Mm-hmm. And frankly, being able to stand around with a bunch of blue gold parents and fans and other students, what a great way to spend an evening and afternoon or better part of a week. Absolutely. So we've got, I mean, you've got a lot of experience too in the athletic backgrounds, and just a few questions I wanted to kind of roll the ball with. And Nick, feel free to interrupt me if you got a few in there too, For like sure. you usually do. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of talk right now in college athletics. I mean, there's a lot of changes in college athletics, and a lot of it's NIL, right. you know, with, with that too, and, and transfer portals. So, you know, while we've heard from coaches and athletes how it affects them from a coaching and playing perspective, how does that affect 
affect it like maybe from a admissions standpoint because you got a lot of players athletes kind of you know moving to different colleges and such well let's start with nil because that frankly is really the wild west mm-hmm. um, i've been heavily involved with ncaa governance at the national level uh while all this was unfolding um and we really haven't seen where that's going to finally end up you know originally they decided they wanted to keep an arm's distance between the institution and any nil deals being presented to athletes but what we're finding out nationally is that you're getting athletes who are frankly signing bad agreements. They're getting taken advantage of. Uh, there are groups that are coming in and taking a big, you know, commission, if you will, on what mm-hmm. they're what they're earning. And now they're thinking maybe this needs to be a little closer to the athletics office so we can keep track of it. Um, my first thing when I heard about it is like, okay, where's the distinction for Division Three since we were going to be non-athletic uh, scholarship institutions? where, frankly, the way the NILs work out, um, it really pretty effectively bypasses that. So I'm actually concerned about what that really means for the future of college sports. But as I think about Division Three, I want to make sure that that's handled appropriately. And having said that, um, you know, it's the rules of the game. And I, I think Eau Claire, over the next several years, is going to have to take a more careful look about how we engage our boosters and supporters, mm-hmm. um, frankly, to help our athletes out. Transfer portal is uh, not quite as wild, but it's still pretty uh, moving around a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've seen, certainly in Division Three, is that different coaches and, and athletes are using them to varying degrees. Even at UW-Eau Claire, we have some coaches who are out there looking every day to see what names are out there. I know they're looking to see... You know, what? who did they recruit that maybe got away from them? And after the first year where they thought that the world was going to be better somewhere on the other side of the country or at right. a Division Two level, that maybe there's really no place like home. And, you know, starting to understand really special how special UW-Claire and Blue Gold Athletics are at. So I think there's, there's still a lot to be seen with this. Um, it's certainly an interesting time to be engaged with college athletics. Absolutely. Uh, it's kind of perfect timing, too, because I just saw this on Facebook the other day, kind of a sneak peek of the Sonatag Center with, yeah. with the courts over there. And since you came to UW-Claire, 2013, correct, yes. uh, over there? Yep. I mean, I was walking through, I was talking to these two. I'm like, there's some buildings here that weren't here when I graduated right. in 2009. And, I mean, we've got undergone a lot of major projects how big a lot of pri- more to come. Yeah. A lot more to come. <laughs> how big of a priority was that for you? And in your opinion, how do you think it'll benefit UW's, UW Claire as a whole and maybe Blue Gold Athletics? Well, it was a huge priority. Uh, the institution really hadn't changed much, at least physically, since mm-hmm. uh, really the 60s, which was kind of the enrollment boom. Um, you had all these students deciding to go to college, so you needed a place to teach them. And unfortunately, across the UW system, we built a whole bunch of buildings in a hurry because we needed a place to put them. And frankly, the architecture and the quality uh, of, of a lot of those buildings just didn't stand the test of time. They're now getting, you know, like me, getting closer to 60 age, sixty years of age and pretty tired out. And, of course, when Zorn Arena was built, we only had 800 students. Mm. And at the time, it was an amazing facility and met the needs not only for us but also the campus schools that was located adjacent to that. And, you know, amazing, great memories. And I know there's going to be a lot of tears shed when finally uh, Zorn Arena needs to be retired. 
but it's time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've, I've said it to a few people that <clears throat> maybe it's time to do a remake of Hoosiers because I have the great facility. They wouldn't have to touch a thing in there. And you believe, you could you could film that movie without having to touch almost anything. Maybe take the Menard signs down is about it. Um, so Sontag is truly going to be a game changer. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone from having some of the oldest, weakest athletic facilities in the conference and, frankly, weaker than many high schools. We share facilities which is, a, you know, is a strength, but also creates its own challenges. And so, you know, Governor Thompson, when he was uh, president of the UW system, actually announced while we were doing the groundbreaking that UW-Eau Claire was going from the worst athletic facilities to some of the best in the country. And certainly uh, what that'll do for athletics is obvious. Mm-hmm. It'll help attract all athletes, not just those that are actually performing there. Uh, but that indoor uh, turfed field house is going to be amazing for all of the kinds of sports that you can you can do within that and get ready um you know we've had spring since christmas here (laughs) but there are years where we don't play a home softball game right and we're having to send our athletes all over the place just to try to get in some practice and some game time and then from a community perspective um you know we we are great partners with this community we believe in being fully interdependent with our community and i think it's going to be a great boon to bring in uh, youth athletics of all ages help the city host more athletic competitions, mm-hmm. uh, drive tourism uh, to the area, and, and frankly, greater interest in the community of Eau Claire. And I think what you've got evolving down near that and Carson Park is this whole sports district that's mm-hmm. around that with Hobbs Arena. And I think there's going to be more news to come in that area. So stay tuned. Uh, nice. Um, as soon as we get uh, one project underway, I've usually got two or three in mind down the road. <laughs> I like that mindset. Do you want to break any of those projects? Yes. <laughs> break any of those? Well, we'll just let, we'll just let your listeners imagine yeah, what, oh, what, what, what we could do next. Um, you, you know, you kind of mentioned it with the, with the, the D3 governance. I mean, you were appointed to the NCAA D3 President's Council back in 2019. Um, you've also served on a number of NCAA committees throughout the years. Is there a sense of blue world pride from you in those positions that UWC and, you know, for the WIAC in itself, that you have a true voice at the very top when it comes to D3 athletics? Yeah, so, you know, I'm in my 11th year as chancellor, and so when I got, I think it was to year seven, I decided, or year six, I decided to just get engaged a little bit more with the NCAA. I'd heard from other people how much time it takes, and I'm like, okay, I think I kind of got this campus figured out. I can now uh, go in for another steep learning curve to learn something more. Uh, I have to tell you, it's been a very rewarding experience in the six years or so that I was heavily involved with NCAA governance. Um, I ended up serving almost two full terms as as uh, chair of the President's Council because the person who was in before me left his presidency, so I moved up more quickly. And once you're in that role, you end up on about a dozen other committees uh, with actual positions, and then you're supposed to be ex-officio on like more than 100 different governance meetings, and I didn't quite do that. Did Frank, you know that going into I it? I didn't know that. <laughs> and, and keep in mind, this was happening during COVID, so I was able to do, you know, most of these meetings were virtual, which I don't usually like, but it made that more manageable than getting on a plane to go to any Indianapolis two or three times a week, it would have seemed. It was a great uh, learning experience for me. I have uh, deep and high regard for the professional staff at the NCAA. Um, There was a colleague who was an athletic director in the Twin Cities who served as co-chair of the management council, and so that was another council I served on. He was reflecting on his four years on that council, which overlapped with mine, and he said, you know, when I agreed to do this, things were pretty calm, and then pretty soon we have the transfer portal, we have name, image, and likeness, we have a pandemic, we have 
uh, the issues around transgender student athletes. We've had, uh, oh, we fired our, our president of the NCAA and had to find a new one. We've had congressional action, um, trying to figure out if, uh, university athletes are going to be employees. There's about four or five more of those things. And as I sit back and I think about what's happened in NCAA broadly in that last four or five years, it's really, it's, bit breathtaking. Mm -hmm. A lot is changing. Um, it was a great experience. I was proud to represent the WIAC. I would say proudly that we have by far the the, the top-ranked athletic conference in all of Division III. Um, and it's really cool that uh, Jason Verdugo is uh, in that leadership structure as vice chair of the management council, and he should be moving up to chair the following year as well. So Blue Golds uh, are being represented at the highest level, and I have to say it's been, it was a privilege and an honor to do that work, and, and great respect for the, all the people who are engaged in that process. You know, one of the many unique things uh, I think about with Blue Gold Athletics is the coaches and the long term. You know, like a lot of these coaches are are staying around Coach Huntington, you know, Coach England, Coach Yango. You know, those guys or those coaches have been around for, for so long. What do you think that says about the culture of, of Blue Gold Athletics to have those coaches? I, I, I love it about this place. And I would make the same extension to some great faculty and staff we have here. Mm -hmm. You know, we've had the opportunity to recruit some of the best talent in the country to come to UW. Claire. And I think if you asked many of them, other than maybe the alums who are in these positions, uh, they would say, yeah, my goal was to be here for two or three, you know, maybe four years to really build a reputation and then move on to a better school. Mm -hmm. What they find out when they get here, they're real. This is a, this is a special place. This yeah. is a place. There's a community that knows how to come together, get behind things that are important. They, that uh, they're at a university where our faculty uh, view themselves as partners with athletics and trying to make sure that we focus on student success. And you don't get that everywhere. Right. I've spent my career in higher education, been at some good places, but I've never seen an institution that's truly as committed to student success um, as is this place. Yeah, and that kind of goes back to the last episode we had when we were talking with like uh, Annie with recruits she was setting them up with professors head of departments right you know to you know it's you know potential hey you're interested in this area we're going to help you connect with with a professor in that department yeah no it, it that that connection is really important and again sometimes you'll see an adversarial kind of position with the faculty and uh, and athletics here i think we've had our values focused and if you're mm -hmm. focused on what's best for students and that should seem obvious, but if you're really focused on what's best for students, our faculty know that student athletes are retained at a much higher rate than the student body as a whole. Their grades are higher than the student body as a whole. Their graduation rates are better. And frankly, they're engaged in community service and civic life more so than the student body as a whole. Mm -hmm. And particularly if we start to look at equity gaps, if you have first-generation college students or students of color or other underrepresented groups on our athletic teams, they are not only doing better than their counterparts on the student body as a whole, but they're doing better than, say, white athletes. If you look at students of color, they're actually being retained and graduating at higher rates. Why is that? Well, I think it's because, you know, it's not, it shouldn't be a surprise, they have a uh, 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 they have an adult, trusted adult, who's watching out for their best interests. Mm -hmm. They have upper uh, upper class 
uh, peer mentors who are helping them mm-hmm. and helping them learn the ropes. They they have a sense of belonging. They belong to a team. Their structure, and frankly, they feel connected to the campus. And all of those things predict to the best student outcomes. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I look at as chancellor, so athletes get this opportunity. You know, over six hundred athletes get that opportunity. How do I give non-athletes that opportunity? We see that with the marching band as an example. We see that with a phenomenal honors program. We see that uh, we can keep breaking that down into smaller groups, the jazz bands, the music groups, um, you know, could be recreation on campus. Mm-hmm. How do people have that sense of belonging? And I, I talk to recruits who are coming here, and I, they have, where else are you looking? So they'll list some places, and I'll give them an assignment. I say, drive through the parking lots where the residence halls are on the weekend. That'll tell you a lot about the institution. Mm. I just drove through ours again because I ran into somebody at the hockey game who had, who had somebody who was recruiting from his old high school to come here. And I told him to do it. So I drove through. They were full. And you drive through, frankly, most of our sister institutions, and you'll find parking lots on the weekends around the residence halls empty. This is a place that's engaged. Students don't want to leave town because they're going to miss something. Mm-hmm. And isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's a sense of belonging and connectedness. Yeah. I mean, look at us, right? We graduated here and we're still here. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Nick and I. So, yeah. but, uh, well, some of us like college so much we figured out a way never to leave. Yeah. That's why I'm jealous. <laughs> right. I always think I'm jealous of you. So, that's a good point. <laughs> and they pay us. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, kind of, you know, related to that too, you know, from a chancellor's perspective, what is the goal you have for your athletics department? Because Division Three is unique where you don't have scholarships. Yep. But you still want to win, right? But it's all about you know the students and, and yeah, succeeding I, I on the win everything. Yeah. I, I'm I'm greedy. I want to win everything, and I say that because right, winning's a lot of fun, mm-hmm. and certainly loss is a great way to do some learning as well. Um, I believe though it's our responsibility as an institution if we're going to sponsor a specific sport, we need to be competitive. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to the student athletes if you're not if there's not an idea that you could go out and win at every different competition. Candidly, I had the chat with uh, athletic leadership here when I got here because our wrestling team was was pitiful. It was down, I don't know, nine, ten guys. Yeah. Couldn't fill the weight classes. The only win, now I, so I looked at athletic records when I was applying to come here. I wanted to know about what I would expect here. They had only one win, and it was a forfeiture that year. And I gave our athletic director at the time a heads up. I'm like, that's not okay. We either figure out a way to make it competitive for the students, or it's not going happen as a sport now look we're ranked sixth or seventh in the country depending on how you look at it mm-hmm. won the conference championship i think the first time in our history yep. and coach fader has done a phenomenal job of turning yeah. that program around in a really short time it's not only about winning because i like to win it's about making sure the student experience for them is educational uh, something they'll remember and, you know, frankly, something that they're going to talk about for the next 60 or 70 years. Mm-hmm. We did the big basketball reunion this past uh, summer. And, you know, guys graduated from here 60 or more years ago. Mm-hmm. And they're still telling the stories. Only they're better. They always yeah. get better with age. That's the best part is hearing those stories. I know you've talked about it with alumni weekends and all that, too, right. you know, with football. Mm-hmm. I think it was when you had the softball team. Yeah. Was that, or that weekend? Yep. Over there. So, uh, Can you give us a breakdown of how the YX schools not only compare in athletics to other conferences in the country, but also how the UW system compares maybe to other universities uh, across the country? So the YX is unusual. Um, they're really only, I think, two public university systems in the country that are um, 
Division three. So the SUNY system in New York is the other one. There are other public schools, but it's not so much a system-wide conference. Um, I haven't looked at the data recently, but WIAC has by far the most number of national championships of any of the other Division three conferences. So it's, 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 it's unusual. And uh, me being placed in the role as chair of the President's Council for Division three and for a while, I served on the board, overall Board of Governors as well. There's actually a lot more private colleges within Division Three. In fact, I think it's close to 85% of the schools. And so as I was being their voice, I had to actually you know, kind of spell out the, the concerns that a lot of the private colleges have. We're seeing a huge contraction in enrollment. And many of our sister three or Division Three sister institutions have closed in the last several years. And I think there will be more. It's a tough time. Uh, to to try to run a college, and it's a tough time to balance athletics within that mode. Some of the original proposals that were coming out, I think, would have bankrupted a number of our Division three schools. They were going to have some requirements that the individual schools would be responsible for post-athletic career injuries that they'd had, or, you know, athletic injuries and long-term medical impact on that. One of the things that the NCAA did, and I think I had a role in that, was getting the NCAA to take on that responsibility for the two years after they're finished with their athletic season or participation at a university. If there are injuries that have impacted them, I think it's for the first two years out of college, there'll be a separate insurance fund that'll help take care of that. Boy, I got off a tangent there somewhere. <laughs> but but the, the, the WIAC is widely widely known and respected. It's really, I think, the number one Division three conference in the country. This is a little off topic, but is it unique, too? Because I went to UW-Barron County yep. before I came here. Cool. Is, is that... A unique thing with it the is. UW system to have that partnership with the two years? It, it is, and that was a relatively new thing. Those were joined with us, I think, six years ago. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and there's complicated, there was a whole working group on athletic because the two year colleges had athletic teams that yep. were going on. Go Chargers, by the way. Exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. So, yeah, that, that's been fun. It's, and it's, it's kind of interesting. Well, we will get, we'll get off way into the tangent <laughs> about whether or not, so if there was a Barron County student who, uh, was he, you know at you know and then part of UW Claire those years get counted against them mm-hmm. if they wanted to come to the main campus and play athletics. Okay, but if you're a Barron County student, you went to Whitewater, you get all four years of eligibility. Oh, so there's just some really interesting complications yeah. with the two-year campuses. Absolutely. So, like, if you played, uh, say, a club sport or something, mm-hmm. that would have gotten counted against you if you came here. Interesting. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. A little insight there. I like that. Uh, so we've seen the athletics department, you kind of mentioned it with baseball, add new sports in the last few years. And I think, you know, from a lot of people, it's not as simple as just add baseball, right? you, you know, or just add this sport. Can you kind of take us a little bit behind the curtain, maybe like the 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 factors that are, are involved in adding a new sport to your university? Well, and the decision is very different depending on if you're a public, private school, Division One, Two, or Three. So a, a Division Three school, you know, there are some private colleges. In fact, most private colleges that have, you know, around 1,000 students, more than half of their enrollment is coming from athletics. And there are some where it's as high as 60, 70 and higher hmm. level where athletics plays a huge role in drawing the students to those campuses. That's not the same thing here. You know, we're, you know, our, our athletes though, you know, represent seven, eight, nine percent of the overall student population. So it's significant. Frankly, those are one of the things that we take a look at. Uh, we take a look at how does that help us be a healthier institution overall? 
and our number one goal is that students come here with, with some goals in mind and or help them discover what their goals are going to be and make sure that they can reach those goals. And that includes retaining and graduating those students. And so when I talked to the faculty from an internal perspective about the decision to add the three sports we did, I said, this is going to help us with our recruitment and, and graduation goals that we have. Um, we know that area uh, businesses really recruit heavily mm-hmm. to get athlete, athletes. Why? Well, they know how to work on a team. You know, there's some basic things that they learn, teamwork, leadership skills, time management, um, self-direction, all of those attributes. And you can get that in other aspects of a university, but it's one of the reasons why employers naturally look to athletes to do some of their hiring. From a financial perspective, there's some costs that go out. And again, we kind of balance that with how much additional enrollment we think we'll have. You know, how much are they paying for housing, dining fees? We, we take a look at all of those things, mm-hmm. plus the ability to help just frankly make sure we have enough students to be able to offer the classes. So having that extra 800 students on campus makes a difference for that. Uh, you know, then it gets more complicated. You know, locker room space. Yeah. Um, how do you schedule a gymnasium space, field space? You know, Simpson Field, it's hard to believe that it was almost never used when I got here because it was an old crowned mud field. Mm-hmm. And now that we've put some turf in there, we got almost every team is out there trying to use that. I guess basketball does it, but everybody mm-hmm. that practices on grass is out there using it and it's brought amazing student life back to upper campus Mm -hmm. you turn those lights on and pretty soon you've got the four thousand students that live right there saying hey what's going on well that sounds fun let's go hang out and see what's going on it's not even current students this is no joke my six-year-old who's going to be seven in june uh, wants his birthday party on that field why wouldn't you because he wants a football i'm not kidding the other day (laughs) he's like i want my he's like can i have my our birthday party on the football field on claremont i'm like blue gold boy he's like yeah like I'll talk to Nick. <laughs> we'll figure something out. Yeah. So I thought that was cool, and that's just perfect timing that that you mentioned that too. Yeah. It's so cool because you know when I was a student on campus too, to have that to, to be able to have that just yep. to walk over to watch games would have been a game right. changer. Yeah. yeah, I mean the soccer the soccer teams are totally packed lacrosse. You've got all those other mm-hmm. you know the newer sports were there that immediately got a connection with the student body. Yep. And not to mention hosting, you know, outdoor track for the first time exactly. in how many years. Yep. And yeah. Hoping for another wonderful Dick and Mary Johnson invitational this year. And I think it, it, it almost goes beyond athletics too because I mean we got club lacrosse out there. I know intramurals sometimes are played out there too and so it's not just like oh it's just for the athletes. It truly is for the entire campus. Well I think mm-hmm. it's scheduled every moment it can be. I was gonna say your son's birthday party may need to be at one in the morning <laughs> things get booked he's, he, he's not wrong he would probably do that though yeah, too that's the thing so very <laughs> so you, you've mentioned it a few times but you know what is it about uw claire that makes it unique or special in your opinion well again I, I i realized shortly after i got here that no matter how crazy an idea i have and chancellors come up with a lot of stupid ideas <laughs> Um, no matter how crazy it was, that if I could articulate in an authentic way why a certain initiative was really good and important for students, the campus would go along with it. They may not be excited, but they, they'd say, yeah, I can see why that would be important. I can see why that will benefit students. You know what? We're going to work a little harder. We're going to adjust how we do things. We're going to put in that extra effort because in the end, it's this culture about what's right for students. And... 
because of that, I realized in my first couple of months here, while I saw a lot of opportunity here, I realized the most important thing I did uh, is that I strengthened that culture, that mm-hmm. I didn't weaken it or try to change it. Because most schools, certainly colleagues of mine, university presidents and chancellors would give their eye teeth to have a culture like Eau Claire. And I don't know how far it goes back. I know it goes back at least 50 years. I've talked to people who were there then. Maybe this goes all the way back to the founding of the institution. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. We were founded because the local area business community had just formed the chamber the year before we were founded. And they decided for this community to prosper that we needed what was called at that time a normal school to mm-hmm. help propel that. They rented uh, and chartered rail cars to go down to Madison to lobby. So they're special cars. They hooked up to the back of another train, hauled them down to Madison to lobby. And we were the last normal school planted in really? the state of Wisconsin. And to think that they planted that one, you know, less than 30 miles from Stout and less than 50 miles from River Falls, right. that took some, that took a community coming together. And what's special is this community, at least going back to that point, knows how to come together. The fact that uh, the same business community locked arms and made the, the building of a new science and health science building their number one priority got the state to invest $342 million in Eau Claire. That is the largest investment the state of Wisconsin has ever done for any building anywhere in the state. And there goes a bald eagle. And another one of the reasons <laughs> I love this community. And no matter who's in my office when that happens, I still point it out because they're amazing. Yes, that's awesome timing. Uh, did you have one to go yet, Nick? Or I got a couple more yet. Are you good? I'm going to take your last one. You're going to take my last one? Okay. Uh, you are at, so we mentioned a little bit earlier, you're active going to a lot of different sports. Yep. What is it about being a sports fan or what is it that you enjoy about sports and just how important is it to have an athletic department for, for your university? Well, so I love the strategy. I don't understand every sport equally, but I'm like, you know, but you're, you're, you're in a crowd of fans. And if Mm -hmm. you don't know that answer, you can ask anyone. And it doesn't matter if you've ever met them before. You can talk about a bad refs call. You can talk about whether. Uh, the play that was called was a good one or not, Mm -hmm. or celebrate the victories or agonize together when we have the defeat or a bad play. Um, So it's that sense of belonging. It's a sense of excitement. It's a sense of that notion that you have a clear goal and you have a period of time to which to get that goal completed. Mm -hmm. And you you find out at the end, did you win or lose? And I think for many of us who work in complicated worlds where things maybe aren't that cut and dry and you don't get that immediate feedback, did you win or lose today? Mm -hmm. Um, You do with sports, and it has that sense of really bringing people together. And, you know, when I got here, I started to hear from everybody. They all wanted to tell me the glory days of basketball. The Ken Anderson days, they talked about getting in line at, you know, one in the morning, two in the, you know, not one in the morning, one in the afternoon for an evening game. Mm -hmm. And it was a big deal. If you weren't there, you were missing out. And so even for those folks who maybe aren't a big sports fan, that notion of bringing people together was really important. Mm-hmm. I experienced that when I was there. We had a run with basketball, 57-win yep. uh, record in a row. And uh, I'm excited about opening Sun and Tag. I'm excited about kind of a new chapter that we're going to cut. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the things that makes uh, athletic special. It brings together a broad community and and frankly, the country really needs that now. Mm-hmm. Um, we, in many ways, we seem divided. We have really strong opinions, and we have strong opinions on, on athletics as well. But it brings people together, mm-hmm. and anything that can do that is a good thing. Absolutely. So with that, like, 
kind of going a little off tangent here, but when we when you look at look at Sonate, when you look at Simpson Field, will there be a sense of trying to get some of these state high school meets here in Eau Claire Absolutely. to kind of share what this community has and kind of showcase it to the rest of the state? You're on to my secret plan. Yeah. <laughs> Great minds think alike. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, so we are, we are going after hosting those high school competitions. Uh, we're strategically located where we can do bigger regional competitions as well, um, being close to the Twin Cities, et cetera. Um, so I hope to host as many of those as we can. I want to host college competitions as well. But for the high school students, I want to expose uh, high school kids from across the Midwest to outstanding facilities, outstanding coaches, getting a sense of what the community is like. Anything that drives tourism even more broadly helps give our institution some exposure, put Eau Claire on the map, getting them thinking about us. Because as soon as somebody has thought about us and they decide to look us up or more importantly walk onto campus, we we, we, we win their hearts. Mm-hmm. Because I ask every student I run into, I haven't asked you yet afterwards, <laughs> what made you pick Eau Claire? And I hear great stories, but almost invariably they talk about that sense of belonging, um, the beauty of the campus, and that everyone's so damn welcoming, Mm -hmm. everyone's so friendly. And that's not fake. That's real. And that's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. You kind of already answered the the last question we have here. It was like if, if anybody's listening to this, whether it's a parent or a prospective student or athlete, what would, you know, kind of the elevator music or what would you tell them about UW-Eau Claire to, to kind of come to Eau, Claire, to Eau Claire? And you mentioned the parking lot one, which I love. Uh, that, that's a unique one. Is there anything else you would maybe add to that? You you can't you can't get as good a value as you've got here. Mm-hmm. Um, you are getting, um, and particularly for some of the majors, the opportunities you will have in undergraduate research you can't get anywhere else in the world. If you're interested in pre-med, I mean, we put a lot of focus on that. You can go to Johns Hopkins and you're not going to get as good an opportunity here. Day one, as a freshman, students can get involved in undergraduate research. And if you're pre-med, you'll be working with Mayo doctors and scientists and faculty members. Um, you take a look at the number of our uh, graduates that do internships. Um, it's close to 80% of our students do internships. That's more than 50% do more than one. Um, we just got our placement data. 99% of the previous year's graduates are employed or in graduate school. Wow. 99%. Wow. This is the uh, part of the podcast now that everybody loves. And is Robin still upset that I didn't do yes. this one with her? Yes, yes, the, yes. The lightning round questions <laughs> we, we got going on here. I think so. I'm more upset because of the certain questions she would have answered a certain way to back me. Real Okay, so that's going to be a tease the next time we talk to her on, <laughs> on that one. So fast pace, easy, quick questions. Right. But uh, can you officially on this podcast tell everybody... What is a blue gold? Absolutely. It's it's a state of mind. It's a winning state of mind. I like uh, it. Blue, blue golds know who they are. They don't need other people to understand that. They have a strong sense of self, a sense of belonging, and a, and a sense of knowing how to win. Because 99% of our students went out and won. By the way, uh, more than 80% of the students, uh, when they shake my hand at Zorn, already had their job. So 99% six months out, but more than 80% had their job when they shook my hand. Wow. That's awesome. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that is. Um, Okay. Ken, I've I've asked Nick about this many times. I'm a big sports history buff. So when you were talking about normal school, Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, Cub Buck, a former Packer, played on those grounds and all that first Packer generation or first Packer free agent. Uh, Can I teach a sports history class here? Yes. Can you? Yes. 
I got a history minor from here. <laughs> All right. Public history. Put it together. So, All right. I don't want to see him more than I already do, though. I didn't say where. <laughs> okay. True. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Virtual it is. Hey, virtual whatever. I'll, I'll you know, broom closet, anything like that. So. All right. You, you open the door, man. <laughs> How about, uh, okay. Well, we might as well ask this one. This is one that Nick always asks. I'm jumping up to number four. Pineapple belong on a pizza? No. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> it's not that deep. <laughs> it's it's good. <laughs> Favorite food? Oh, so I got spoiled. I had a good friend who taught me how to do really good smoking of Ooh. meats and things. And so really good smoked uh, uh, ribs nice. and kind of the properly done rest of it. And I'm a total snob. Most restaurants can't pull it off. So nice. Least, you know, Chops Hancock's a good friend of mine. If you know him, he's mm-hmm. taught me how to do this. So that's awesome. Uh, favorite movie? Oh my god! So you know, as a kid, I like the whole Star Wars collection. Mm-hmm. If I think of you know a little more gritty, you know, the Godfather series was mm-hmm. really good. And then I've got, you know, a whole bunch of like, you know, stupid comedies that are fun to watch. And I, I know all the words to as well. Yep. Are you binge watching or streaming anything? Or what was the last thing you binge watched? Well, it's kind of stupid because it kept showing up and it, it's become this phenomenon. Uh, the series suits, I never watched when it was on, but it keeps kept Netflix yeah. throwing it at me. And I'm like, oh, this is kind of fun and smart and it moves fast and it's funny. My wife just finished that. Well, I'm she's, not done, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> she just finished it's it. It's a good one. Is, you watch it? Yes. She's telling me that I have to. So, uh, Favorite hobby? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not doing any vegan cooking shows, just to make clear about that. Because um, people have been asking me this a lot more. And I, I tell people I'm the boring chancellor. Uh, my hobbies are usually around the university. Um, someday I hope to be able to actually make golf an actual hobby because I love golf. Mm-hmm. All right. We got to take them out. The summer works for me all right uh favorite music so any any song as long as stevie nicks is singing it i've had a crush on her since i don't know sixth or seventh grade and um my wife has been a really good sport about that has gone to see her with me 20 sometimes either with fleetwood mac or as some people say stevie and her backup band um and this summer end of may I'm taking my three sons who grew up having to listen to it in the car. And now that I find out they're still listening to it, even though I'm not serving it up. And so Stevie's got a, a concert here gone. She added some dates, taking the three boys to Denver for a three day uh, boys weekend with golf and Stevie Nicks. And awesome. they're going to experience that together. My wife's only regret is she would have taken them to a Grateful Dead concert while they were still going. <laughs> uh, favorite book. So, uh, from for a novel, Pillars of the Earth by mm. Ken Follett's uh, uh, a real favorite. I like biographies, though, so a lot of political biographies. Politics is something I've always been interested in. Man of the House by Tip O'Neill, which was that mm. whole notion of all politics is local. And then I'd throw out uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People from Stephen Covey. I had an opportunity to do some personal work with Stephen Covey, a mentor of mine. It was a close family friend of his. So, awesome. Uh, you know. But but pillars of the earth from kind of a from a novel historical mm-hmm. novel. I've I've changed over the years too, like where I'm just like nonfiction now. Yeah, you know, mostly yeah. biographies and that. Yeah. So, uh, who's been the biggest influence in your life? Well, I have to, you know. So maybe you know, it's 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 my wife. You know, we've been together now for more than twenty five years, and 
you, you do a lot of growing up during that time. Mm-hmm. You know, she knows me better than anybody else. She's my biggest critic and knows how to push me. And there are days I wish she wouldn't push so hard, but I'm a better person because she's put up with that. And I think we've helped each other's growth, but I, I'd say she's been my biggest influence. Doesn't that annoy you, though, sometimes, too, All like when time. your wife, like, mine does that, too. She's like, I'll do something like, well, I really know what you're trying to do. I'm like, damn it. Yeah. You know, just. Oh, yeah, I've learned you can't outsmart them. Yeah. It's, just, it's, <laughs> it's not, like, not I possible. can't get away with anything. <laughs> no, now. you can't. Uh, the sport you would love to play professionally if given the ability to. Well, again, given that I'm 59 years old, the one that if I all of a sudden had the ability is that golf game because mm-hmm. I think I could play that longer than some of the others. I was in a really small high school, and so you could play anything you wanted. And I wasn't that good of a football player, basketball player, um, baseball player, or golfer. So I didn't have as much natural ability, although I'm told I had potential. So we'll there see. There you go. Favorite teams then? Maybe when you were growing up as a kid? Oh, or? I'm a long-suffering Vikings fan. Oh, okay. I had to watch. <laughs> I had to watch the Vikings lose three Super Bowls. I don't really remember the one in the in the 60s. But I have to tell you, it's it's like, you know, a kid gets, you know, when you finally make it, you believe this is the year. Mm-hmm. And every year, it's like finding out as a young boy that there's no Santa Claus because we're not, <laughs> we're still not going to win. So that 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 was hard. I don't know if Pearson pushed off on that. I'm just kidding. I don't want to say that. Please, <laughs> let's not. Uh, favorite athlete as a kid? That's well, probably Fran Tarkenton from mm-hmm. that point. Although Alan Page was kind of a, you know part of that whole 1970 Purple People Eaters. Uh, uh, New York Times just did a big profile on Alan Page uh, in yesterday's newspaper, actually. And it was fun for me to kind of go through the impact he's had. Um, outside of sports, um, what a unique life as a judge, you know. Oh, to and after that, I mean, it's it's awesome to read about. And I, he's given out nine thousand scholarships yeah. for underprivileged kids to be able to go to college. Mm-hmm. You know, he went to law school while he was still an yeah. active NFL player. Yeah, that's he's so I, he's one of my favorite like historical ones. Oh, times cool. in that role, in that role, right. when he was running for Supreme Court. And then, awesome. Uh, if you had a different career, what would it be? Wow. Well, that's a really long question because um, I didn't know what I was going to do. So my undergraduate degree was in political science. I spent a year working in Washington, D.C. for a member of Congress. And part of that was we rewrote all of the Higher Education Act that year. And he was a conferee. And my first job in higher ed after leaving Congress was saw an ad in the Minneapolis Tribune looking for a student advocate, understood the financial aid laws, good interpersonal communication skills, and part of my background was in student leadership roles. And I ended up being 22 years old. I was a financial aid director. Had I not taken that job, I'm not sure where I would have ended up going. You don't you don't grow up thinking I'd like to be a university president somewhere. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's kind of that wonderful life thing. I, I found something I'm passionate about, which is, again, making sure students have the opportunity um, to succeed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can get all sappy and say that is the American dream, that everyone should have a shot. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that a college education can do. And that's why I get very passionate and emotional around making sure every single person, I don't care what your background is, how much money your folks have, what color your skin is, your religious background, anything, everyone deserves that shot. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what I, I'm hoping our country can unite around is but I think we agreed to 240-some years ago what the United States was supposed to be about. Well said. Last question. This is probably the toughest. Uh, the one you would avoid the most, the hill or the bridge during winter? 
Well, actually, that's an easy question. There's nothing worse than the bridge with a 30-mile-an-hour wind in the winter. Um, the hill actually provides a little protection depending on which direction the yep. wind's coming from. So, But as we say, Bugold's, uh, we, we embrace the hill and we embrace the bridge. Whatever doesn't kill us makes us stronger. Mm-hmm. And I, I always like to remind my fellow chancellors, say what you will, but UW-Eau Claire students have the strongest calves in the system. Talking from somebody who was at McPhee almost every day, I was bridge and hill every day. Same. That's you know. about what I was, too. Yeah. Walking from Broadway all the way up to Exactly. Me. Yep. I would walk from, like, Chippewa Street and all Niagara. Oh, yeah. I had a nephew who – I've had a couple nephews come through here, and I took one out for uh, lunch on a Sunday, and my Fitbit at the time went off. I said, hey, pretty good, Uncle Jim. You got 10,000 steps in. Yeah. And I said, do you track that, Sam? And he said, yeah. I said, how many do you get in a day? Oh, Usually thirty six to forty thousand, <laughs> and I said, "Really?" And he says, "Yeah." And he was a football player. He said, "I don't, and I don't track it at football practice either." He says, "You go up and down the hill a couple times across campus, it adds up in a hurry." Absolutely. Oh, yeah. UW Madison Health Center did a study of the healthiest students in the system. Again, UW Eau Claire had the healthiest students, and I think a lot of that deals with that. Mm-hmm. I wish I'd come here. <laughs> <laughs> did you have any wrap up thoughts no. over there? Well, I, I this has been awesome. Yeah, I want to say one thing. Like I. I've said this over the last few years, being an alum who graduated in 09 and seeing the differences this campus has gone undergone, I think I've told you this before, I wish I could be a student again because of the changes on campus and just how amazing it looks. And I've, oh, I miss being on campus every day. And, uh, you know, it's walking through here again. It was just kind of bringing back memories of trying to hurry up to McPhee and then Hibbert Hall for, for a history class, you know, between the two of like that. So it's just nightmares for me. Yeah. Right. But it's, <laughs> I, I looked at that time. I was like, okay, I want to graduate, you know, start to hit the workforce right away. I miss it. I miss being on campus every day. Well, And what's wonderful for me is the integration in the community. Take a look at all of the community members that are walking across campus. They use this as their park, walk mm-hmm. along the river, across the bridge. And that isn't true in every community. Some community members are, don't feel welcomed on that campus. And and the inverse is true as well. Our students feel welcomed in the community. And so the growth and the development of the downtown with our support of the Pablo Center, mm-hmm. I mean, the transformation is amazing. I think that uh, this is God's country. This is There's no more beautiful place, friendlier place in the world than the Chippewa Valley. Yes. Well, and uh, as a former <laughs> alum, thank you for all the hard work you've done just with everything at campus and i think nick would probably say the same thing i definitely echo that absolutely so thank you so much for hopping on and taking the time for us on the podcast and uh i can't say go viking so yeah i'm a diehard packer fan i I give up on them two or three times a year so i don't even say that often (laughs) my my son's named after don hudson so that's there's my little historical stuff coming through again uh, my assistant is a big vikings fan she's from minnesota as well so i grew up there and um, she's more diehard. And usually, sometimes in preseason, I've already given up on them. <laughs> and then they suck you back in. And yep. they do it every every year. Mm-hmm. And they get you starting to believe in Santa Claus again. And then your hopes are dashed. <laughs> what we love sports, though, too, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. That's why. So, Chancellor, again, thank you so much. And uh, would love to do this again in, in the future, yeah, too. do it. That is going to do it for this episode of the Rolling with the Golds podcast. A huge thank you to Chancellor Jim for joining us on this episode of the podcast. Big, big, big thanks to Chancellor Jim. Quick reminder, if you're not following or subscribing to the Rolling with the Golds podcast, make sure you're doing that on your favorite podcasting platform like Apple or Spotify. 
and give us a five-star rating and a positive review so others can find the podcast. Until next time, for Nick Hoven, I'm Dan Casper. We will talk to you on the next episode of Rolling with the Golds.